Our first uh, scripture reading today is from the Old Testament, it's from the prophet Isaiah, a passage that uh, you, I'm sure, have heard before, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 5, kind of a foreshadowing of Christ who will come. Who has believed what we have heard, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading is from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read uh, for you the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, I promise you it will be not the last time you hear the Christmas story this month, but Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, on a a December night, a number of years ago, in the city of Chicago, 
little girl crawled up into her father's lap and asked a rather heartbreakingly unanswerable question. Daddy, why isn't mommy like other mommies? A man by the name of Robert May glanced across the living room, the living room of his shabby two-bedroom apartment to the couch where his wife, Evelyn, was asleep. For two years, she had been fighting a losing battle against cancer. Her treatments had drained the family finances and sapped them of just about all joy. This family seemed to be living in this continuous nightmare loop. And Robert May could see the toll that it was taking on his little four-year-old daughter named Barbara. Now, Robert May's life was no picnic growing up. He was ridiculed as a child for being shy and small and very skinny. When he attended Dartmouth College, he was so frail and so young-looking that people thought that he was his younger brother. After graduation, most of his class went off to Wall Street and to other prestigious jobs in the corporate world. But Robert May went to Chicago, and instead he became a lowly copywriter for Montgomery Ward. Now, Robert May, age 33, with his wife Evelyn near death, is depressed and broke. And so that night, as he cradled his four-year-old daughter in his arms and on his lap, he made up this story for her. He said, once upon a time, there was a little reindeer named Rudolph. Rudolph was small and frail, and he was the only reindeer in the world with a red nose. And on Christmas Eve, Santa had just finished hitching up all the big reindeer, Dancer, Prancer, and all the others, to his sleigh and was ready to go. Then a great mist and fog enveloped the whole world, and Santa knew there was no way he was going to be able to find anybody's house that night. That meant all the children of the world would be disappointed when they woke up on Christmas morning. But then through the fog, Santa saw something red. It was Rudolph's nose. So Santa hitched that little frail reindeer to the very front of the pack, yelled up, up, and away, and they set off into the fog. And guided by Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, Santa did not miss a single chimney in the world that night. And little Rudolph went from being despised to being the most beloved reindeer of all. Well, a few weeks after telling that story to his daughter, Robert May's wife, Evelyn, died of cancer. And within days of the funeral, Robert May went with great reluctance to the office Christmas party at Montgomery Ward. And while he was there, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out the story they had written for his daughter. And he read it to the crowd of people there at the party. And when he was finished, you could have heard a pin drop. And then everybody burst into applause. That was back in 1938. And by 1947, six million copies of this story had been sold. And today, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is an icon of the Christmas celebration. But think about it. It all began when a broken-hearted dad tried to make sense out of a tragedy for his young four-year-old daughter. So let me ask you a question as I begin. Why? Why? 
What is it about this little reindeer that moves us so much at Christmas? I think I know the answer. You see, inside each of us, there is a Rudolph. We are all just misfits trying to make it through life as best we can. And that is a powerfully demonstrated in the scene that we're going to see from the TV show, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, as they land on the island of Misfit Toys. Looky up there! Of course, who'd you think? Oh, well, then that's okay. Okay, who, may I ask, are you? We're Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius, sir. Who are you? I'm the official sentry of the Island of Misfit Toys. A jack-in-the-box or a sentry? Yes, my name is... Don't tell me. Jack. No, Charlie. That's why I'm a Misfit Toy. My name is all wrong. No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. Where's here? as well from the time that we were children wasn't there always something wrong with us too either we were too skinny or too fat or we were too short or too shy 
or we had a big nose, or we wore glasses, or we were not very athletic and couldn't hit the ball, or maybe we weren't smart enough. Reminds me of a story of the man who was on a quiz show, and he was asked to give the names of the reindeer that pulled Santa's sleigh. And so we named them Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen, and Rudolph, and Olive. And the quiz show host said, Olive, no, there's no Olive. He said, sure there is. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even know it glows. All of the other reindeer, Olive the other reindeer. Olive, get it? Olive, oh, yeah. Well, maybe you're not too bright either, or you don't tell good jokes in your sermon. (laughs) But instead of a red nose, we've got red cheeks of embarrassment or guilt or shame or that dreaded curse of not being good enough. Well, friends, the good news of Christmas is that God rushes to meet us even when we are most unlovable. On Christmas Eve, Santa came to a pint-sized reindeer named Rudy with a plan to save Christmas. As Christians, more importantly, was when the angel Gabriel came to the scared young teenage girl with a plan to save the world. And the angel said, Mary, with your heart so right, won't you bear God's son tonight? And we know that Mary is probably about 14 or 15 years old when she gave birth to Jesus. That means that Joseph was probably around 17 years old. That would be like having a ninth grader marry a high school senior, and this teenage girl was pregnant before they were even married. And so we have to wonder, God, what in the world were you thinking? You see, this was not just any baby. This was the infinite infant. This was the once and for all revelation of God in human flesh. If ever a baby should have been born in a palace, been wrapped in in silk blankets, placed on satin pillows, it was this baby. Instead, God enters the world through a problem pregnancy, wrapped in rags, and born without any of the benefits of hot water or soap or medicines. And then he's placed in a feed box, and he lays there amongst the smell of manure and farm animals. Well, the Apostle Paul said it very well in Philippians chapter 2. God humbled himself. He made himself nothing. He became a Rudolph. A humble God chose a humble carpenter along with a humble teenage peasant girl to star in the drama of his humiliation. And yet, this birth would go down in history. Well, friends, we yearn for God to come down and live among us. That's what we celebrate in this season. There was that song from a few years ago by Joan Osborne. What if God were one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to find his way home? Well, at Christmas, God became one of us. He took the bus, and the entire yearnings of this world are met in a baby born in Bethlehem. Because, you know, as Christians, we can take away the parties and the poinsettias and the punch bowls and all the rest of the stuff of Christmas. Because really, it all boils down to one thing. We are celebrating the fact that the God of the universe once chose to reveal himself in human flesh and blood. So without diminishing his deity, one iota, God took on full humanity. He's Emmanuel, God with us. 
Now, why in the world would God do that? Well, I think it's because God determined that there was just no sterile, antiseptic way to deal with the ugliness of our sin and the brokenness of this world by staying away at arm's length. Instead, God chose to come among us, to live with us, and to bring us salvation. And I think the great story of Christmas is that Jesus came for the outcasts of life, the Rudolphs, the Hermes, the Yukon Cornelius, and all the other misfit toys. And you know what? At Christmas, that also includes shepherds. Back in the first century, shepherds probably belonged on the island of misfit toys. At least that's what people thought. They were of little to no regard. They had no status in the community, and they weren't taken very seriously. And yet, think about this. An angel of the Lord appeared to, of all people, them, and said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Today, in the city of David, a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. At Christmas, God reached down to the very bottom of the barrel, and he made them the apple of his eye. I think another way that Rudolph, with his nose so bright, leads us right into the heart of Christmas is that Rudolph found happiness when? When he was given an opportunity to serve the world. Luke 2.20, which finishes the scripture reading from this morning, says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. What we're doing now, worship, isn't that what it really is all about? Here in this place, we erupt, or we should erupt in praise and glory. We sing, and we pray, and we stand up, and we sit down, and we pass an offering plate, and we greet one another. And then after about an hour of doing this, do we just say, oh, that's over with, and we get up and go home? I hope not. We continue to glorify and praise God. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God. And that should be our response, not just within the walls of this place, but in our businesses, in our occupations, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our parenting, in our grandparenting, whatever it may be, because only by glorifying and praising God do we discover the true meaning of Christmas. Pastor author uh, Tony Campolo tells a wonderful story about a boy who was a real Rudolph. He was in Miss Thompson's class, and he made his teacher see red. Teddy Stoddard was not a particularly attractive boy. He had terrible grades. He even had a worse attitude. In fact, Miss Thompson even looked forward to giving him Fs. Now, she knew about his past. She had read the records of his potential, but how things had then fallen apart for him at home. His mother became very ill when he was in the second grade, and then in third grade, Teddy's mother died. His father showed no interest at all in his academic or social progress. But even so, there was just something about Teddy that Miss Thompson resented. Well, at Christmas, as you might imagine, all the students paraded in their gifts and gave them to Miss Thompson, their teacher. As Miss Thompson was opening up all these gifts in front of the students, she came across a crudely wrapped gift from Teddy. And as she opened the gift, out fell this gaudy uh, rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing 
along with a bottle of cheap perfume. And she was horrified. But sensing that the kids were starting to giggle and carry on, she had the presence of mind to take that bracelet, put it on, and then dab some of that perfume on her wrist and say, oh, this is lovely perfume. Smell it, boys and girls. Well, when school was finishing up that day, Teddy dropped by Miss Thompson's desk and said, Miss Thompson, you smell so good. You smell just like my mom used to. And her bracelet looks nice on you too. Well, when Teddy left, Miss Thompson put her head on her desk and she begged God's forgiveness for her attitude towards this boy. Well, to make a long story short, from that time on, Miss Thompson became a new teacher and Teddy became a new student. His grades, his self-esteem, his attitude, all of it began to soar. And several years later, Miss Thompson got a letter in the mail from Teddy announcing that he was graduating from high school, second in his class. It was signed, Love Teddy. Four years after that, Another letter came in the mail announcing that he was graduating from college first in his class. And then four years after that, another letter came in the mail, and this time it was signed Theodore Stoddard, MD. And he said, I'm getting married. His father had died recently, and so he wrote to Miss Thompson asking, would you be willing to come to the wedding and sit in the place where my mother would have sat if she were still alive? And so Miss Thompson went to the wedding, and she sat in that place of honor, all because she took the time to care for a Ruoff in an act of Christmas kindness. Friends, you may be someone who was laughed at and called names and not allowed to play in any reindeer games, but the Savior is here to welcome you, red-nosed and all. And the God who welcomes you is also the God who transforms every square inch of your lives so that we are forever changed. For unto us, a child is born this day, a savior, he is Christ the Lord. Glory be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of Rudolphs and Teddies and shepherds and babies. Today, uh, we lay before you our red noses, those shortcomings, fears, doubts, guilt, shame, those things about us that hold us prisoner and keep us awake, tossing and turning at night. God, we believe that you can turn these scars into stars, that the very things we despise and fear about ourselves, you can transform into untold blessings for ourselves and for others. Now, God, we pray that you would enter into the weaknesses of our lives and transform us with your presence as we gather around your table. Strengthen us and give us patience with the Rudolphs and the Teddies in our lives so that we may reflect the glory of Jesus Christ to them. We ask these things in the name of the one who came for us, and to save us, Jesus Christ, our Messiah and Lord. Amen.